Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Lowe, episode 28. Hi folks, uh, I hope you are well. What you're about to hear is a pretty long conversation between me and my good pal Matt, who you've heard from before on this podcast, about the Star Wars sequel trilogy, broadly. It's about Star Wars generally, but mostly about the sequel trilogy. Now, I must warn you, we go fairly full on on this, and we talk for about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, So if you are not a kind of person that wants to hear from two random guys talking about Star Wars, you do not need to listen to this. If you are, however, someone that likes Star Wars or is interested in the kind of thing me and Matt might have to say, Matt and I might have to say, I should say, um, then please do give it a listen. Uh, But yeah, I just didn't want anyone to set out for this because, I mean, there's a nice little bit uh, before we sort of get into it about uh, sort of consuming media in the digital age and how that's changed over the years, which is fairly broad in general. But I have to, I'm not making any illusions. This is a very, very nerdy conversation. Please consider yourselves duly warned. Um, and just as a just as a contextual note as well, uh, we're speaking to Matt. He has since been furloughed since we last spoke. So he's got a lot of free time on his hands for inane conversations like this. I hope you enjoy it. No. Oh, we are. We're live. We're live on the airwaves. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, good. All right. Should we do this again? I don't know. Um, I'm glad to hear it. I'm, 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 enjoy- I'm, I'm trying to keep busy. I was going to say I'm enjoying myself. I am enjoying myself. It's been uh, initially the first part of my furloughing was rather like Christmas. I think about, I've said this before with the being at home and the watching old movies and not being, not all the shops being shut, drinking too much, eating too much. And then I had my birthday, I got my presents. I was like the peak festive. Uh, since then, it's been a little bit more like retirement. Doing a bit of gardening, enjoying that. Just about to finish a thousand piece jigsaw today. Nice. nice. Uh, there are four pieces left, um, and um, we're going to do them together. Me and Laura are going to do them together and film it for posterity. Four pieces. That's good. You, you definitely have them. They're not missing or anything. Um, well, Nova trashed it twice. Um, and we, there was one piece missing. We counted them up. There was one piece missing when we were coming into the final fifty. Um, but Laura, Laura's managed, Laura's managed to find it. Uh, it, it, it was actually, I, I don't know how she managed to get it there. It, it was, it was in a shoebox tucked between some postcards. What? How? What? <laughs> That's an incredible oh, find. That uh, lost the time. Yeah, no, it should have been. It should have been lost to time, but we put so much effort into I mean, we, we, we pulled the place apart looking for it. My goodness. It would have been such a disaster. We put so much blood, sweat and tears into that jigsaw. It's a really tough one as well. It's a Hitchcock murder mystery. So you, you read the little preamble and it tells a story about this murder that's occurred. And there are clues to what's on the jigsaw, but you don't know what's on the jigsaw. Until you do it, so there's no picture to work from. You you have to you have to work it out from the clues that you've read. That's a madness. And how long has that taken you? Well, off and on, it's been about it's it's been about a week. But I, we haven't you know we haven't put a full day into it. 
No, no. That's fair. So, in terms of uh, keeping busy and watching old movies, a little bird tells me, Matt, that you've uh, rewatched the Star Wars trilogy of sequels. I have. The sequel trilogy. Uh, it was time for a rewatch. So, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a, a, a Star Wars fan. I was born in 77, so I have not lived in a world without Star Wars. I've not known a world without Star Wouldn't Wars. Wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to live in a world. There are some people who 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 are like are in that world. Boomers. Oh, well, therein is the (laughs) that's the real generation gap. Are you pre-SW or PSW? (laughs) PSW. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) good. Well, we've identified that demographic. I, I actually also think that when you come to Star Wars it has a huge impact on, on, on what you think of the sequel trilogies as well because um, so I, I like them. I enjoyed them in the cinema. Uh, they gave me a really warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling like little inner child Matt was thoroughly thrilled by all three of them just to recapture a bit of that childhood excitement. Um, but I'm not obsessive particularly enough to uh i was gonna say buy the t-shirt and start collecting the figures again i don't have any star wars posters on my wall but i did get a star wars t-shirt for my birthday recently so yeah um, it's um, quite it's an easy thing for people to get you poster. Isn't it? There, there is that there is that my, my nan bless her like she's passed away now but she, her house was full of owls like she had owl not not real ones she lived in a little council house it wasn't room for real owls but um she 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 had owl tea towels owl clocks owl mugs owl clothes owl like owls on everything and people when it got to christmas or birthdays when you get to that age you don't know what to buy people you just get her owls something with an owl on an owl pencil case or an owl slippers oh sheep for my granny yeah, I mean, they've all got one, haven't they? Because, you know, you, at that stage in your life, you don't want for much. But nah. you get a gift and, oh, it's like, oh, Nan likes owls. That's a lovely owl tea cosy. Like, she'll, she'll love that. Mm. Uh, and uh, one, one, year, one year fairly fairly recently, I, I'd, I'd said to her, like, oh, I'm not sure what to get you for, the, for your birthday. But I did... Did see a couple of nice things with owls on. Um, I'll have a I'll have a little look, and, and she was like, "Oh, no way! I don't don't really care that much for owls." <laughs> She's from the West Country, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, "I, I was like, what, what, what do you mean? You love owls, don't you?" And she was like, "No, no." But like like thirty years ago, um, I I saw this uh, I saw this picture of an owl, and and uh, said to said to said to my friend, "Oh, I." I I like that owl. I do. I like that picture. Um, and, and and since then, people have just got me stuff with owls on. I made it full credit to she had everything on display, but it's like <laughs> 30 years of just been constantly bombarded with mm. owls. She's not even grown on owls at the, in that time. I would be able to tell the difference between what I liked and what I didn't if people just got me all the time. I I, I mean, I think that's I don't know, maybe that's part of getting older, isn't it? It's like... Just not caring that much. <laughs> Just not caring so much anymore. It's like, okay, it's a tea towel. Mm. 
Um, but that so Star Wars is so I, I feel like that's the sort of thing and people are aware you express any affection for Star Wars because obviously the merchandise is is just everywhere. Like you could probably get a Star Wars t-shirt in Sainsbury's, I'm fairly sure. Like you know, it's just an easy thing. Oh, he likes that. Let's get him a. And, and, like, and like my nan, I'm going to be happy star. with it. And like my nan, it's secret. At work, everybody this year, I got a Star Wars mug, and I was happy with it. I wouldn't go out and get a Star Wars mug for myself. I'll put it with all the other ones that I've got as gifts in the past. All the other two. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Whoa. No, I appreciate it. But what I'm saying is, people get me a lot of Star Wars things. I generally don't go out and buy them myself, but I'm happy to have them. I actually got quite a cool Star Wars thing right here, actually. I've just been looking at it. So uh, we cleaned out my man's attic. This is not good for audiovisual, but we cleaned out my man's attic uh, this summer, and I brought this back. I chucked out or sold a lot of childhood toys, but I thought I'd keep this for prosperity. So this is like a plastic Darth Vader face, yeah. and if you, it's like a Mighty Max type affair. So if you pull down it turns into like a little cloud city type thing so you've got chamber yeah you've got a got a little carbonite hand solo there so you can drop him in and he throws the solo yeah you've got a little luke skywalker guy he's good isn't he some darth vaders a, a, a lando and this thing, so there used to be another half of this smashed up window, and you've got a little thing there, it bust apart, and it would go flying out the back. All good stuff, I thought that was quite cool. So I kept it. But, um, yeah. It's amazing what yeah, no, you're is, amused by for hours. Cool. I, I like that. <laughs> little land. It came with a little I... slave one as well. Oh, that was, that was, that was one of the... Oh, One of the is. many Star Wars toys I had a, a lot of a lot of jealousy over and uh, like yeah <laughs> I, I mean it, it's it is an awesome ship uh, yeah it's all right it's a bit weird I don't know because it, it can twist in it and sideways and then long ways anyway um, <laughs> so you pretty watched the sequels so I thought I'd rewatch this so. Basically, I, I saw all three of them in the cinema when they came out. I was really excited by it, um, and I enjoyed them all at the time. Um, they're okay. They've got, they've got some issues, but they're Star Wars. They are Star Wars, so I, I, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them enough. But I didn't go back and see them uh, again. I haven't got the, I didn't get the, the Blu-rays or, or, or download my own copies. I hadn't actually watched any of them. Is that a um, thing you would do normally if you got a cinema in nowadays and see a thing? Do you do you make an effort to get a copy for yourself, be that digital or physical? I don't know. I don't know, actually. I, I mean, it's different with Star Wars, isn't it? Because I've got uh, up until like the last Blu-rays that I I bought, I don't really buy DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. But the last Blu-rays I got were were the Star Wars trilogy. Mm. You know, I I I think it's something you do when you, either when you're younger or either it's kind of a different time now where you know things are available whenever you want them online. Yeah. 
whereas in the past you had to physically if you wanted to if you really loved something and you wanted to watch it more than a couple of times then you'd want to get the physical media of it yeah i was a big dvd guy in my youth i guess but now i, I don't really get any um and if i do it's even because a it's sort of a, like a nice set so i'm just looking up at my pile of dvds which is just next to the computer either because it's a nice Objet da, almost. Um, Objet da. Yeah. It's just nice to look at. So a nice little boxy set type thing. Um, or because it's 99 pence in a charity shop and it's almost as convenient as... And even then, I, I've not really done that for a long time, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I, in terms of actually buying films, I haven't done that in a long time. I, I hadn't done it in a long time, although I did get some. I did get some. Some a few occasionally get Blu-rays of films that I wanted to watch on at home mm. on Blu-ray. Um, I don't even actually have a Blu-ray player, which is another thing. So there is now a nice nine-film box of all the Star Wars stuff, which part of me wants, but I'm not sure if it is DVD. It might just be Blu-ray. I could be completely wrong with that, but I'd sort of like it. But a, it's a lot of money, and b a third of the films I don't really care for and see if it's Blu-ray, it's useless to me. Well, that was the only reason I got physical media. So I don't know whether it's because I've grown out of, of that, uh, of needing to have those those films that I rewatch, whether whether I've gone past that point in, in my life, or whether it is because now, if I want to watch something, I can find it. And usually you can find it in, in HD or good enough quality. Mm. It's a bit of a shame, you know. I, 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 I've made some amazing discoveries in the past just by browsing through FOP or, or some of those DVD shows. I used to love going through FOP those DVDs. feels shows. like a different, a different sort of beast, doesn't it? Because I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't really know how it works, but it almost feels a little bit curated what they've got there, isn't it? And you sort of almost by the fact that it's in FOP, it's probably going to be a little bit nice or a little bit special anyway. So. I do like having a, br a browse in a fop. Well, the one thing that I do miss about that, I miss it more with books. And I still go into bookshops. I mean, I, I, most of my books I've read on Kindle recently, but I still buy books. Mm. Um, I like the object, but I also like going into bookshops because I can, I'm, I, I'll just, I'll be like just diving into Amazon and browsing. If I, if I fancy something that's in a genre or, similar to a certain author then you you can you can search recommendations but so many of the books that i love for instance i've found because i've just been wandering around the bookshop and picked up things that piqued my interest and just had I a think, flip through them and there's always something too with that i think books are an inherently more browsable item aren't they to pick through and, and sort of pick up and pick uh, pick up and flick through if you were sort of interested in it which is perhaps why bookshops like you know waterstones and all the sort of the independent bookshops are still on the high street whereas your hmvs have kind of for the most part de departed because it i guess it is easier to browse film and music online really yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I kind of think the same sometimes with music. I, I do like music stores. I, I do like just going through racks and, and, and just looking at, the, you know, if the artwork takes my fancy, give it a listen. I probably won't like it, but I might do. And I found so much great stuff that way. And 
that browsing, that process of browsing, it should be so much easier online. But I feel like I, I am missing out on the you miss it. It's so well curated online and there's there's so many algorithms that, that decide what to recommend me. And they're usually right, but you're missing out on that element of chance. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, yeah, certainly with music, it's I guess it's it's very easy to like my Spotify recommended list is always, you know, I very rarely find anything on that list that I don't like. Um, which is good. Well, is it good? Yeah, it is good. It is no, good. It, no, it's, it's, it's great. Good. It's it's great. It's amazing. I found loads. I found loads of music that that where there's a direct link between music I love and music that Spotify knows that I'll love as well. Once I get That's into new it, new and exciting. I wanna. I have. A, I sometimes wonder, like, is anyone like listening to Spotify and they go on their Discover list and they're getting like Elton John or ABBA or Led Zeppelin? Have you have you heard this? Like, does it, like if you've literally never listened to any music before, does that is that what it recommends you? Well, I don't know. How does it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm too. I'm too. I've waded out too deep on my Spotify now. Mm. So to get back to that, I'll have to set up a new account. Well. Possibly. I mean, I've been a little bit facetious there, but it's fine. It's well, fine. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's true, though, isn't it? It's like, where, where do you, where, where um, how do you, it's not quite as easy to come across that, that random, like, um, I, I don't know, I, I absolutely love Afrobeat music, and that, that that's as a result of, of hearing some randomly played in a shop and just makes me really happy and then th th there's a whole interesting um socio-political element to it that i find fascinating and there's um so many great artists that crossed over into other things i mean it's it's the most it's a really it's, it's probably a little bit too much of a well-recognized genre but I'm, I'm just trying to think of things that had no real link to what i was listening to at the time but i just stumbled on and then that opened a new door to all these other things I wonder what algorithm you'd have to have to recommend you a, a Star Wars film. <laughs> Just to where we'd sort of <laughs> got a little bit of a tangent there. Um, so sorry, you, you watched the we re watched the new films <laughs> because uh, because you you, had, you know you you saw them and enjoyed them. Not picking yeah. them up on on DVD or anything, yeah. but what you you thought the time was was right for a reappraisal. A mere what six months after the last film came out, um, purely because uh, we got Disney Plus for pandemic ah. reasons, um, and I saw all three were on. Or, or at that point, um, Rise of the Skywalker was coming out, so onto Disney Plus. So I thought. Perfect. I can. I really want to watch all three together as one piece, mm. because my biggest. I was really interested to see what it would it would be like to watch it together, to watch it as a single, as a single thing, to to binge on it, watch them back to back, um, and just see what how it how much it linked together, how much it foreshadowed, how much it was inconsistent, because there was the feeling that. They were all very tonally different beasts, um, but I wasn't certain. For, I mean, there's sure. certainly a criticism that's levelled at the films, and I, I mean, I think 
I think I recognise that. They, that as a trilogy, they, they feel less of a piece than the originals and even the prequels. That they, they don't feel like they've been conceived as a whole trilogy at once. And I think that's correct in what we know about how they were written and the production process they went through. Um, but yeah, how did that translate into you watching them? Um, well, on one hand, it reinforced that it reinforced that view. They they do feel very, they feel totally different. They 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 feel like they're they're all straining to go in slightly different directions when they end, and and those and then they don't transition smoothly. None none of the three do. Um, there's also been a lot of um, discussion that Rise of the Skywalker is a sequel to The Force Awakens that kind of retcons and somewhat ignores The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Now, that's yeah. not entirely untrue, but it does, even though it's Abrams back on board at the helm, it, it again feels like a different movie to both to me. It feels they, they all feel quite different. They're trying to do different things. What would you say? Ways. So between the Force Awakens and, and, and Rise of Skywalker, what what would what so what's quite as totally different? What are the differences ooh, excuse me between those two? As you see them. Uh, well I I think the 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 main difference is uh, the elephant in the room is palpatine like right, sure. I, that that whole that whole swerve into palpatine as the as the big bad i was really hoping because there was a rumor that ray was palpatine's daughter going right back if you remember there was talk that like well, some of the Themes are similar, right? Or there's, yeah, there's borrowed the elements from cue, the... the musical cues, apparently, and and the, the, there were other um, bigger, fiercer, nerdier geeks than me had, had pointed to all these clues online. But there were there were dozens of theories. So I really wondered whether there was more of that seeded into the Force Awakens than actually I'd noticed at the time, knowing that that sort of true. I mean, granddaughters sort of, but I wondered well, yeah, whether yeah. That, that was true. Um, but yeah, no, I like, I, I don't see, I, I honestly don't see that much. I don't see it heading in that direction. I don't see any of the final order. I don't see any of, um, the, 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 the like, um, character, like the, the, the Lord Santeca character at the big, the one that, that's, that's played by, uh, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow, which is, is a great scene, and and but it's it just there, there's no none of that connective tissue is there. Now, admittedly, after the Last Jedi, there wasn't a lot that Abrams could do to course correct Snoke, other than putting him back together again, which would would have been ridiculous. But um, I well, um, I mean, they brought the whole back, didn't they? <laughs> Mm. I've not watched but, that series, and that's part of the reason I don't want to. But the the, the thing is, I I, like, I I did enjoy each film on their on their own 
on its own terms and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And what it also made me appreciate is there is consistency there. Um, and it's the it's the characters, to be honest. I, I think the legacy characters are pretty much confined to their individual films. There's obviously with Carrie Fisher passing away, you, you, you don't get the, the layer movie that it was always sketched out to be. But mm. uh, the, the legacy characters are like the, the first one is a hand movie. And to be honest, most of my most of my favorite parts in that first movie out once you take away the excitement of Star Wars being back after so long, they all involve Han. They, sure. they all involve like the the arrival of Han and, and and like there's a sense of real joy and adventure around that that character coming back and I think he's played really well. I, I think Harrison Ford really goes all in, probably knowing that he can be done with it because I'm sure he I'm I'm sure he he, he demanded that he was actually killed off this time. Oh, spoilers, but... <laughs> by the way. Are we putting spoilers on this? Uh, I I think I will let people know that we're we're going we're going all in on this. Well, I'd I'd like to say going all in, but I don't think my opinions are too controversial in that I, you know, I think they're all okay. They're all they're all solid films, but they're all quite independent of each other. Um, the first one is yeah, it's very nostalgic. It's a bit of a retread, but I I. I liked the new characters a lot more. I was much more invested them with them on the on the rewatch. I was quite interested to see. I was engaged with how they developed. I think um, Ridley, Boyega, Oscar Isaac—they've all got—they've all got the right amount of charisma. I'm engaged with their story arcs. Um, I like them, and I like. I mean, the, they actually cast like the, some really decent actors in the roles, which. It's arguable that maybe it hasn't happened before in a Star Wars film. But I don't remember being as engaged with the new characters in the in the Force Awakens when I watched it the first time. But I was really on board and interested in their stories this time. I was paying more attention to them this time. Um, and then you've got probably the best performance from any star out of any Star Wars film. The best individual performance is um, Adam Driver's. Carlo Ren, I think it's incredible. I think he's really good. He's a real asset to it, mm. and that's what makes the movies work. And I didn't realise that until I rewatched them, because he deals with some really jarring material. He sells this concept of letting the past die and then not, and then letting the past die again, and then not, and then letting the past die again, and then not. And he kills Han Solo, and he's the big bad, but he still manages to be convincingly sympathetic. That's mm -hmm. really serious force powers. Like, if if you if you sketched his his character arc out on paper, and and it, it would be it would seem completely unconvincing and absurd. But he sells it in all three films. He sells it, and he manages to seem like. The inconsistency in the writing he sells as being the conflict within his character and like he is incredibly sympathetic at the end of that film and that's not to take anything away from anybody else but it's those it's those characters that are the the, the heart of the film which is kind of really um it it, it plays into 
Lucas's theory about the the different trilogies are supposed to harmonize with each other or they're supposed to have some of the same themes. It's like that 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 central group, possibly not Oscar Isaac, because I do have issues with that. We'll come on to that in a minute. All right. But those characters really sell it and they're such a huge asset. But looking at the individual parts with a, a year or, or so between each one, I didn't really know how much I'd grown fond of them until I went back and watched the whole thing again. And because they are key to providing some sort of narrative consistency, like that actually they just about managed to make all three bring them together, but it is despite the 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 the, the script and the story and the and the different tone in each of those movies. I mean it's quite interesting I mean that point. Obviously uh, the original films and the prequel trilogy were all um I know he didn't direct um, the last two of the original trilogy, but they're all George Lucas's vision, um, yeah. to use a, a slightly fluent flam word. But um, obviously, with the since um, the new film started being released, there isn't really one creative force behind them all. And I mean, I think that's quite an interesting thing. I mean, J.J. Um, Abrams does what he does. He's he's quite. I mean, he. I, I like a lot of his stuff. I like a lot of his work. Um, I mean, I, I love Lost, uh, which he obviously kickstarted, but I, I love that unreservedly. I think the whole, the fact that a lot of people didn't like it in the end because there were so many unresolved things that he started. He's clearly a guy that can kickstart things and um, set up potential plot points. I'm not sure how how great he is at sort of finishing them or not, but that's not really an issue for me. So I think giving the rebooted, restarted new trilogy to him to kick off was a great move. Um, I think Ryan Johnson, whom um, I love The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi is the strongest Star Wars film in the new trilogy. And to be honest, if I put my nostalgia aside, I, I think there's a case for it probably being one of the strongest films uh, overall. But he's obviously an author as well, and um, I think the direction he took and the things that he explored were were really, really good and really strong and something that was new to Star Wars. And again, the original plan was for the third film to be done by Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow? Is that how we say his name? Again, Trevorrow. not like a... Trevorrow. Who's done... I mean, uh, he did... Is it Safety Not Guaranteed? Is that his one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is a good and, and the film. And the dinosaur adventure. And then Jurassic Park, which is sort of like, well, he's got the indie chops and he's got the blockbuster experience as well. So again, he sounded like sort of an interesting figure. And, you know, if you haven't got an overall creative figurehead for the series anymore, then it makes sense to me to give each episode to an interesting director. And I guess that they've kind of done that with the, with the side stories as well, to a point. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, we don't have a an overall figurehead. Let's give it to different people with different visions. And I think I would rather have that and rather have the different episodes interpreted by different people than just giving it to one guy whose vision, it may be consistent across the three films or whatever, but it may not be very good. There's a difference between being... Cons I agree, but there's a difference between 
having a consistent vision mm. and is and and producing those movies by committee mm. and i i think it's important to remember like it's it like ryan johnson having an indie or somebody with indie or tour chops is actually more in keeping with the spirit of that they're big budget movies they're some sure. blockbuster movies but it's more in keeping with the spirit of what star wars is than weirdly the blockbuster approach i mean star wars the original star wars trilogy was was in was a scrappy indie movie that was pulled together it's it you can see the joins in its it seams you can see it stretching um against its limited resources but it was a singular vision and it was a bolt out of the blue when it appeared and it created the idea of a summer blockbuster movie sure and then you've got but it wasn't it was still an indie movie it's still it's still an indie film and then um you've got the prequel films which i think are a mess and and i i i, I you know rewatching them a, a couple of years ago like it just gave me a headache to be honest i i, I mm-hmm. and i remember being so disappointed at the time but they are the biggest budget indie movie you can imagine they were still an indie movie it's just they were bloated with special effects and budget and and investment and expectation but they're bonkers like they're a bonkers mess they're 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 lucas's lucas's vision for better or for worse um but there's something that the and that's the there's uh, no there's one to still, say no to him factor there really isn't it yeah it, it is but but because they were still like they weren't designed by committee he wasn't he was going to he was going to do what he wanted to do regardless he wasn't going to listen to um the money people he wasn't going to listen to audience surveys he wasn't going to listen to what the fans wanted he was just going to do what he wanted because it was his he's going to listen um, to his heart listen to his heart <laughs> Uh, and um, but then weirdly the new the new trilogy or the Disney in 2012 what was it three billion four billion they they paid for Star Wars I think four billion I mean it 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 became too big to fail so they it, it just feels designed by committee it feels like with Ryan Johnson for instance and 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 Trevor Rowe. Trevor, 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 oh, and tre- Trevor's, um, <laughs> oh, Trevor, like, and, and, and Trevor, big like, <laughs> big Trev, um, th- those, the, the, I think it was originally conceived that they were gonna, they were, they were, they were gonna take the risk and, and, and give it to, they were gonna be ballsy and just give it to these people who, um, had a love for the material but were, were gonna be afraid to, be beholden to expectations and we're just going to create the movie that they wanted to create have fun in the sandbox you know and, and it, it could have been uh that could have been a really good idea but then the when you design something by committee you're aiming by its very nature to to please as many people as possible and the like you're going to be aiming for mediocrity rather than trying to create something for create something important you just want to get those tickets in get some of that four billion investment back Mm -hmm. 
And it's like they had the courage of their convictions and then they pulled back. Yeah, I find that really disappointing. I, I think it, they should have stuck to their guns and gone in, trusted the people they hired to, you know, uh, pull through with whatever mad crap they come up with rather than... I mean, you know, The Last Jedi made a lot of money. I don't... I, it surprises me to a point that they actually chose to go back to a safe pair of hands because it made a lot of money. Um, it was incredibly well received by the critics. It just seems as a, you know, a subsection of fans that shouted loudly enough on the internet that I guess they felt they had to. I mean, am I mad? Is that that's what happened, right? They felt I mean, they had to go back to the safe pair of hands that was Abrams. I don't understand why they did that. I don't understand why. I I failed to believe that they were so naive that they thought that small, very vocal, but small minority of a toxic fan base were the people that they should try and make some concessions to. But that's what it feels mm. like they did. I it, I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but it, it feels like, you know, um, Rose is written out of the last film. Like I mean, that's my biggest single issue with that film. I generally enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's a bit of a hot mess. Um, it's incredibly rushed, but the fact that they so acquiesced to the kind of scummy people that will bully an actor off of their social media that, you know, for whatever racist, sexist reasons that they might justify to themselves, the fact that they, okay, we hear you and we'll write her out. That I, I To be honest, I think that's... Uh, I don't know. It's uh, they have a as producers and professionals, they have a duty of care to the people they employ, and the fact that they must have sat down and said, "I'm sorry, um, we are essentially writing you out of this film because you annoyed the worst kind of people." How do you even have that conversation? It, I, I'm sorry. That that really that's the only thing that really annoyed me about the last film. Just acquiescing to these people's wishes which basically the message is if you bully someone enough you'll get what you want which I, yeah. I don't think is responsible at all no, and I can only I, I can only assume that it was it was based on they thought that these people might uh, the, 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 this toxic fan base might have an influence on the on the on the amount of money that they made on the film like yeah. but they were never going to please them that was the thing they were never going to please them I think the decision Basically, Rose should have been the one to destroy Palpatine once and for all. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, I would have loved that. I would yeah. have loved that. Although I think Palpatine was somewhat of a concession as well. Mm. I mean, how did you feel about the movie? I wasn't that mad at it. I thought it was... I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it, to be honest. Um... It, my, my pro See, this is the thing. In individual films, great. I, I, it makes sense to me. It brings the whole thing together. If Palpatine was always the uh, the, the, the manipulator behind the scenes, I mean, d debatably, depending on how you read the prequels, like you could say that he like influenced the Force to create Anakin. You know, like I think that's it, canon it, these days. It, it brings. A, I, I I don't know what's canon and what's not anymore. Yeah, I think that's off. By the 2015 comic series confirmed that. Well, and, and which does, <laughs> you know, it implicitly ties those families together. It makes the Skywalker motif even stronger. It makes the defeat of Palpatine 
more powerful. It makes the whole thing thematically work. Like, fantastic idea. But watching all three together... So I never had a problem with Palpatine coming back until I watched all three together and I realised just how... Like, how I thought... Rian Johnson didn't want to do it. Ryan Johnson didn't want to do it, obviously. Uh, and I think he was willing. I'm, I'm not sure about the original script for part nine, but I don't think he was. I think he was going to stick with Ray being a nobody, right? Is, is that? I, they, I would they, they, like that. I thought that was, a, again, a really bold and interesting move that I welcome. Yeah, the, the democratization of the force and the hero status for someone in that universe, you know, removing that from whatever nonsense bloodline you happen to be part of. I thought that was an, a brilliant move and one that I really engaged with. And yeah, to sort of backtrack on that, again, was a bit annoying. Well, it was both... Of, it, I would have been happy with either. Yeah. I actually really like Palpatine, and if I'd had a choice, I'd have like done Palpatine from the start. But just slipping him in at the end i it just when you watch all three together it just didn't it, it just felt so it landed with a clunk mm. you know what what's what's worse about it is the reveal for palpatine should be should have been if that's where they were going it should have been the big moment of the sequels if that's what they'd intended, like his sudden appearance where everything falls into place, even if it is just a transmission that should have been in the last Jedi, or it should have been hinted at before, or it should have happened as a scene. Mm. The fact that he is just introduced offhand in the old guess who's back. It turned yeah. out that the Palpatine was behind it all the time. Now he's back. Carla runs off to meet him. Let's catch up. Yeah, I mean, I think they could easily have trusted Adam Driver to take on the the role of the the big bad person at the end. I, I think that would have been fine. But I, I do agree. I think, well, I don't know. I feel like, um, again, in an individual film, bringing Palpatine back, they don't have a problem with it. It would be nice. Um, just some hint or tidbit in either of the previous films that he's has the potential to return. I guess that would be nice. I mean, but have you know, that they... moment. Have that moment where he first comes back. Don't like it was weird how they launched the press and publicity for the rise of Skywalker with Palpatine. Yeah. yeah, it's like Well, this is it. I mean, the, the even ballsier move would be to have him in the film, but don't have him as part of the publicity. Have him as a twist in the third act and he's there. I mean, that would also be quite an uh, exciting way of doing it as well or something, but um, we, we've got what we've got. Yeah. yeah. Which Maybe, is, you know, it... we can anticipate special editions coming out and they'll pop in a little scene in seven or eight. With, uh... I, 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 I wouldn't be averse to that. Mm. Oh, and, uh, but I enjoy all three films on their own terms. It's just... I watch... The, the Force Awakens is a nice reintroduction to the universe. Sure, but, but watching it again, the individual moments in the Force Awakens are not as much fun. Apart from Han, like the individual moments are not as impactful or as much fun as moments in the other two films. Okay. It's a nice introduction, but it's a, it's it's just a it's a. What it's would a your uh, 
personal highlight from that film be? Um, everything with Hannon when when Han appears. I mean, that might just be me showing my loyalties to the old guard, but you know, he he gives it much needed energy. There's a nostalgic hit. I'm watching it again. He is he seems all in with it. He, he's like he, he he plays the character exactly as you would expect. He feels like an older version of Han. And um, it, it's consistent and he's a lot of fun. Sure. Um, I also quite like the face-off on Starkiller Base between Ray and Finn and Kylo Ren. Yeah. And weirdly, I found my... And the, the, I was going to mention this about Poe. I, I, I actually really like the chemistry in that one film between um, Poe and Finn. I'm not getting yeah. on board the ship, shipping ship. I, I like, <laughs> Why I know not? That, I know the shipping ship has sailed. <laughs> oh, that would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? That would have been amazing. That would have been like, here, toxic fan base. We'll get rid of Rose, but we're going to do this. <laughs> I'd have loved them to have been ballsy to do that. But no, they actually, like, it feels, they there is a lot of interplay between those two characters later on, but they set up a really, a, a really fun, likeable relationship between the two, which I bought in the first film. And their moments together are a lot of fun. But then mm -hmm. later on, I, I don't know, it, it feels like the just lost interest in it they didn't really they didn't really maintain the same chemistry and i don't think that's the actor's fault i think it's they're given different things to do and and they're not really consistent in how they act i think poe in particular is a is a strangely served character in the in the movies because he starts off as a bit of an ersatz han solo a bit mm -hmm. of an unreconstructed square-jawed fighter pilot hero yeah 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 um, but then later he and, and he feels like he's one of the principals. But then in the later films, he sort of becomes a bit of an ersatz wedge. He's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the pilot. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can see that. I mean, I thought again what they did. Um, I think setting him up as the you know the square jawed fighter uh, pilot fighter pilot in the first one and then sort of deconstructing that in Last Jedi with the, you know, your hothead approach isn't isn't always the right one and sort of taking that archetype apart a bit was, I, again, I thought it was uh, one of the many interesting and welcome things that Last Jedi brings. Um, but, yeah, and then I guess his role in the third film is, it is a bit in a here and a there, really, I suppose. Um I think he's got some good individual moments, but does he offer that much to the overall plot of the film? I'm, I'm not sure he does. And that he starts as ham and then turns into wedge. Mm. And because The Last Jedi is wedged in the middle of that transition, <laughs> like, uh, I, not, yeah, The Last Jedi, I'm getting the big step now. Like, I, 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 I like what you said about the deconstruction, and I think it does play quite well. But because that character arc doesn't really go on to get any payoff, it, it, it sort of just feels like that's the beginning of him sort of stepping back into the uh, 
into the cast of characters, it, it, stepping stepping away. From yeah, that. I mean, yeah, uh, the Last Jedi, you know, as it would have it, would be Leia is is prepping him for a leadership role, which she does take on in the in the Rise of Skywalker, but yeah. it doesn't feel like a significant moment where he's leading the resistance particularly it just sort of it just it's just there no it, it is just there and um, it, it is it, it that 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 whole chemistry between um Boyega and Isaac is just it, it, it just it's not in any of the other films but it's something that I really enjoyed in The Force Awakens and it surprised me because I was like, I don't remember this dynamic, but I really like it. They 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 spark off each other really well. I buy their friendship. I buy their hostility and then friendship. I buy that that uh, those two characters. And when it works, it's really fun to watch. You know, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that maybe when you watch something the first time, you don't really pay that much attention to it. But when you when you're a bit more invested in the characters and you rewatch it, you notice things like that. And then you think, oh, it's a shame that they didn't really. They just played this sort of in the in the final film. They they were just sort of trash talking each other occasionally, and that that was it. Oh, mm. and then he made then then there was a bit of there was a bit of um, you know, man, you're all right at the end, but that, that that's largely it. So again, that was the Force Awakens. The Last Jedi enjoyed so much more the second time around i liked it the first time but i enjoyed it much more the second had time you around. watched it since this is the second no, time you've seen it no yeah. none of them i'd watch none of them again um and um once you get over the change in tone weirdly it flows a little bit better than um last jedi to rise of the skywalker <laughs> um, but once you get over the change in tone, I really enjoyed more individual moments in that film than any of the three. And I found myself sure. looking forward to some of those moments. Um, and they didn't disappoint when I reached them. The fight in Snoke's chamber, I think, is magnificent. Yeah. Um, the standoff of Luke and the First Order at the end. I think it's both really powerful, a really exciting moment, and quite moving. Yeah. And Luke does get was, to be a badass. I um, was a li little bit disparaging, slightly, uh, into, uh, like, when I said that the, they actually hired decent actors for a change in the new trilogy, uh, which is a little bit unfair on Mark Hamill in, in the originals. But I, I think in The Last Jedi, Mark Hamill is, I think he's, brilliant i think everything he did everything with luke skywalker in that film is uh is fab i think and yes his denouement at the end is really really good and there's a lot of criticism online that they they destroyed his character i which cannot I disagree with that i cannot disagree not. with that more i cannot disagree with that I more i like fully agree I, they gave him something. They gave him something to work with, and they gave him something meaningful. And did they just want him in the Obi Wan role to make it like to be a badass Jedi, train Ray, and then um, go out fighting? Like, how boring would that be? Mm. Like, they they gave him an emotional arc. They gave him a they gave him a new story. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been. 
there wouldn't have been any point in him being there otherwise. Like, yeah. And he went out like a badass, but he had to reach that point. Yeah, I, I thought um, the story they wrote for him and Hamill's delivery of that was, I, I thought they were both perfect. I thought he, I mean, yeah, just just wonderful, I thought. I really, really engaged with that. And it just shocks me that people don't, to be honest. I mean, I don't know why, but um, yeah. Oh, I, look, I, I, it, this is trying to appease a toxic fan base. They're, 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 they're never going to get what they want. They're never going to be happy. They're not fans of the movie. They uh, are... I don't know what they're doing. They, they, they all have their own headcanon. They won't be able to agree on what made themselves happy, but they do all agree on their disagreement of everything. Like, I, I, I can't understand why... I mean, what were people expecting? I've asked this to people who were really down on it before. Well, what would you, what would you want then? What would you want if you wrote it yourself? Like, nobody's got. All an he needs to have is his hot girlfriend from the E Expanded Universe, right? That's uh, Mara Jade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it's fully consistent with what we know about Jedi Masters. I mean, Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda both went on and lived as hermits in crappy little planets. I love the, like, uh, you know, I, I love the, the parallels between um, Ray meeting Luke and he's acting like Yoda was when Luke first met him. And then you see Yoda in the prequels. And, you, and Yoda's a very different character in the prequels. Like this noble, funny little sage. Like, the, but that works. That works. He's become Yoda, and like, he he's not sitting there being a noble. What? He's a weird, cantankerous little hermit. I loved it when he's milking the weird little. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure about that. I wasn't sure about that. I'm I don't think make Star Wars weird again. I'm I'm good with weird. I'm good with weird, but I'm not so. I, I'm like I don't know. What was it? It was green milk this time, wasn't it? It's funny milk. Or is it? Is this, <laughs> I didn't need the origin story for the blue milk. <laughs> he loves his milk. The boy loves his milk. But yeah, I, the, the, I, to be honest, absolutely packed with moments that I found moving, exciting. Um, interesting. It felt very different tonally to Star Wars. It felt like it was doing something different. But th when you sit down and look at it, you realise how much it does call back to the original films. It's nostalgia, but in a slightly more subtle and artful way. And I thought it yeah. worked brilliantly. I fully agree. I mean, even the sequence that a lot of people don't know, so the whole Canto bite stuff. I mean, um, I can understand people not being into that. It is it does feel like a bit of a digression from the from the story, but I this is very personal, but I really like that sequence. It reminds me of a Terry Gilliam film. It feels like Baron Munchausen or something. It's all a bit nonsensical and a bit uh flying by the seat of your pants. But you know, any Star Wars film that has the courage to say rich people are evil 
<laughs> quite as plainly as the last Jedi does. I'm already on board, really. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I even responded quite nicely to that sequence of events too. Um, I, I, I have to say, I, I, it didn't. All three films. No, the Force Awakens doesn't, but the, the both um, Rise of the Skywalker and the Last Jedi did sag a little at the beginning for me. And I think the the last Jedi, the the, the um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Cantel bite sequence. I just probably mainly because I, I knew there was so much good stuff to come. I I wasn't quite engaged. I love the opening. I love the bomber opening. I love the callback to Republic serials. The the whole kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. war adventure feel of it. Uh, absolutely great. Again, I, I believe there was quite a lot of Reddit discussion around the physics of bombing in deep space. But uh, uh, if, if you're going to start doesn't really do stuff, physics, does it? <laughs> that's start, never been the case. It was a long time ago, and it was far, far away. They do physics differently there. Tie fighters wouldn't make that noise. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not. I'm not bowing down Sorry, to it. I, I thought it was great. It was exciting. Was and again, I thought the bombers were cool and they looked like something out of the Second World War. Second World War had happened in space. Which is totally what um, one of the things all about. that inspired Lucas. So, yeah, bang on. Absolutely great. Great opening. And then I thought it, it does drift a bit, but maybe because I knew that there was really good... St- I, was, I was really looking forward to seeing some of those scenes again and they didn't disappoint. Some of the scenes later the, in the film. Yeah. The uh, the hyperspace ramming thing. I mm. I remember seeing that in the cinema. That was I was stunned by that. I think that was. Vi- I mean, I think the Last Jedi is easily the most visually, um, inspiring. Or I I think it, it's a beautiful film, and I think that sequence is testament to that. But yeah, just watching that in stunned silence in the cinema was a very special moment for me. I thought that was great. All all three all three are. Uh, uh... All three look great, and they are the best looking of the of the of the series. But absolutely, all three look great. But the Holdo maneuver, yeah, I'm still not sure how well played the all the interplay with Holdo is. I I'm okay with it, but it's worth it for the payoff. Mm. I I just think again, it's a problem with bringing these characters in who, who who are supposed to have been there, who should have been seeded, who should have been part of it beforehand, bringing them in just for that episode. Yeah. A little mean, bit, little bit of Holdo in The Force Awakens would have helped. I mean, sure, but you could say the same about, well, hang on, where's my Mothma come from in Return of the Jedi? But I, I think pointing out justifying flaws in the new films by acknowledging the same flaws in the old films doesn't really change the fact that they're still flaws. Oh, look, there's flaws in them all. There's flaws in them all. And, and, um, you know, the biggest continuity flubs are in the original trilogy. Sure. I mean, there's no no way you can spin the sister kiss. There's yeah. only two ways. There's only two reasons for that. One, uh, Lu- uh, Lucas really did want to mess with some um, serious sort of d- d- 
perverse psychosexual like themes within within his within his uh, movie, or um, they didn't have a plan and they were kind of making it up on the fly. Well, I think it was just a, a neat way of uh, working out who out of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, Princess Leia ends up with, right? It's, it's, <laughs> she loves them both, but one because she's his brother, and one because they're 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 hot. But yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm not going to compare flaws for flaws. And 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 to be on right, if I'm going to, if my, my view of the three trilogies has not changed. Like I will, I I love the original one first because it's uh, I loved it so much as a kid. I'm always going to have that nostalgic love for it, and I'm going to get so much more joy from it than any of the other trilogies now. So it, that's always going to be on top. Yeah, the prequels are always going to be on the bottom because I was so disappointed by them, and they are a, a mess. But they are a bonkers mess, and I, some things I appreciate about that bonkers mess. But what every criticism the... that's been levelled at the Last Jedi, you can find in at least one of the other trilogies. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, if I had to press you for the most positive thing you can say about the uh, the prequels what what would that be oh um uh <laughs> I, Take your time. No, okay all, all right so um so you <laughs> and mcgregor's great you and mcgregor's great you <laughs> and mcgregor is great as lb1 sure. Um, and he really does sell it, and he's got an enthusiasm that 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 that, that just about gets you through it. He's he makes think, them uh, watchable. Ian McDermott does a decent job as well. Ian, Ian McDermott's having fun. Um, I mean, everything that's a callback is quite enjoyable because it's done quite well. Um, uh. the, <laughs> the 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 face off on Mustafa at the end is okay. Nah, too ridiculous for me. I have to uh, say, I think the prequel trilogy, no, wait, the sequel trilogy, the new ones, I think they do lightsaber battles really well. I think with the prequels, they're incredibly acrobatic and people are bouncing off the walls everywhere. But once you sort of get over the initial, I don't know, I'm impressed by the choreography of it, but story-wise, I don't like it. And the fact, I, I think they got sort of the right balance between realism and, I don't know, dramatic heft right in the in the sequels, more, much, much more so than in the, the prequels, which are just over-choreographed, I think, to within an inch of their lives. I, I there's, yeah, no, I, I, I guess you've got a point, but I do remember quite, I do remember quite liking the, the, the final confrontation, possibly right up to the the terrible Spaceballs reveal of Vader, which just, just destroys it all. Hmm. No. Oh. I mean, I don't mind a little no. <laughs> um, I mean, if you, you have to sort of go back to, uh, you know, Lucas's influence was all the 
cheesy Saturday morning cereals and things, and that sort of feels in fitting with that. But yeah, I I don't enjoy it because I'm feeling Darth Vader's pain there. I'm enjoying it because I'm sort of allowing myself to enjoy a bit of cheesiness. Um, I mean, I, I'm very much with you on my sort of how I feel about the different trilogies and things. And uh, I mean, I was 11 when the Phantom Menace came out. Uh, so I did enjoy it at the time, and I, I think I enjoyed the subsequent films as well. But they don't—they don't bear up to sort of the. Now I'm an adult. They don't—they don't really hold the candle to anything. And there's just so much. I don't know. Wrong, not wrong with them, but there's so little in them that I. There's so few choices that Lucas made that I would have made if I'd been in the same position and trying to create a trilogy like that. I mean, there's just so little of it that's in any way kind of interesting, really. I mean, the whole prequel trilogy is basically summed up in a handful of dialogue that Obi-Wan Kenobi says in the first film, in, in A New Hope. Um, and I don't know, going given the license to go back to Star Wars, is, is that... I don't know. Is Darth Vader's origin really the most interesting thing we could have done? Or telling it in that way the most interesting thing we could have done? I don't know. Possibly not, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a strange choice. It's a strange choice. Um, I, I mean, it almost smacks of the, the, the Lucas just... Um, there, there were so many vague and oblique references in the original trilogy, and that's kind of what I like. Yeah, you know, what's exactly. a Clone War? What's a Clone War? That could be I anything. I don't need and that I, and I, I, but, but it sounds kind of cool, sounds kind of creepy, but I like it. I like it like that. I didn't need to see the circumstances with the Trade Federation that led to the Clone War. Yeah. No, I fully agree with that. Like, it's it's more interesting to keep these things oblique rather than getting down into, you know, the individual uh, resource management practically of how how many clothes there are and what they did and where they went and all this. It, it, it it's it revealed a level of detail that I don't think anyone was asking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Ian McDermott's good um, and. <laughs> I would say Natalie Portman's um, wardrobe is good. <laughs> Natalie Portman's wardrobe is good. Um, uh, you know, the, the production you, design and the wacky hair and everything was great. You, you and McGregor holds it together. He's really, he's really on board. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, the, maybe I need to rewatch again. I like. I don't remember hardly. I remember very little about Attack of the Clowns. Well, I think uh, you know you've gone back and you've rewatched these uh, new ones, and you've got your Disney Plus. Uh, I think you know, and you know what? What else have you got to be doing to keep yourself busy? Then I think you deserve. You should give the prequels a rewatch if you can put yourself through that. What I was actually thinking of doing was rewatching re some of the rewatching the spin-offs in context. Okay. So, how do they fit together in the timeline? Solo and Rogue in Solo and Rogue One. So they both occur between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Well, Rogue One literally moments before A New Hope. So I was thinking because I, you know, I've I've seen the original so many times. 
And I, I have watched the prequels a few times, and I've, I'm not sure I want to put myself through all of that again. It just seems like hard work. <laughs> but what I might do is, I'm, I remember thinking that Revenge of the Sith was the least trying of the three. So sure. Revenge, of the, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, Rogue One, A New Hope. All right. That sounds okay. Are, Are, you, uh... Are you on board for that? Um, Revenge of the Sith, you say? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's important because then you've got a taste of how all of them fit in. Because the new films, the, the spin-off films, are part of the new yeah. canon, and and I actually think they suffer from some of the same um, issues with compromise. I, I think again, they they went for Gareth Gareth Edwards, and great that was apparently com- great director. Apparently, that was compromised. They originally went for Lord and Miller for Solo, and then yeah, that was the forget young Han Solo, Lord and Miller, um, and Donald Glover in the same film. Uh, I bought my ticket. I can't believe they got kicked off the project. I, I mean, I would, I'd love to have seen that, and I, I'd, I'm even more keen to see it knowing that the, 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 apparently they they looked at what they were doing and went, no, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely. If we can have the Snyder cut released, I want the Lord of Miller cut released. I really do. Um, I really yeah. do. And and if I remember rightly, and, and you know, I, I'm not I'm not ready to talk about Solo at the moment, but I do remember feeling like it starts off as one film and then and then does a weird just turn into something else. It feels very awkward. Yeah, I think it was broadly fine, but just let down by what it could have been. I mean, I fear for Taika Waititi, again, another very creative, idiosyncratic director that I really like, with mainstream appeal, um, just like Lord and Miller. I, I, I sort of fear for him with Disney or Lucasfilm's reputation for... Uh, so Gareth Edwards' Rogue One had a lot of stuff reshot uh, following his final cut. Obviously, they jettisoned uh, Trevorrow... Uh, and brought back Abrams, and obviously Lord and Miller were were kicked off the pro. They seem quite keen on hiring interesting directors, and then either getting rid of them or reshooting what they've done. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Taika Waititi. But if they let him do Taika Waititi things, uh, I'm whatever he comes out with, I'm sure would be great. I think now that the pressure is off, hopefully, and with the success of the Mandalorian, I think they will hopefully have the courage of their convictions to allow somebody to have their own vision. Now it's not Skywalker saga. Now it's not dealing with established characters that we know of. So I'm I'm up for that. I think the success of The Mandalorian is a good lesson for them as well. I know it's a different thing entirely because it was on TV. They could do what they wanted. Um, th- there wasn't the budget or the expectation or the the, the, the Im- importance of the of the Skywalker family tree. Mm. Uh, a lot's got to be said for John Favreau and his experiences with Marvel, being able to balance that necessity to maintain the brand, but at the same time allow a bit of um, individual idiosyncratic vision come out. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, 
broadly enjoyed the Mandalorian. I thought it was again kind of a an interesting sandbox for them to try a couple of new things, and a lot of it really worked. I think some of it didn't, but um, yeah, broadly I was on board with that. I um, I mean the 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 the, the thing to like comparing it's like Marvel and DC. DC's extended universe collapsed because it was trying to do too many things, trying to bring different people's visions in, trying to control what people were doing too much. I was really muddled. I, d- I don't blame it all on Snyder. Like Snyder did have a vision, but that was compromised as well. Mm. I mean, I don't like Snyder's vision particularly. But many of the same issues that Disney have had has been, I, Marvel have Marvel have nailed it. Yeah, I mean they've certainly cracked a formula for commercial success and decent films. I'm not saying great films, but they, you know, I don't think any of them are less than three stars, really, if you were to speak in such broad strokes. But they do a bit of idiosyncratic vision, and they're quite clever and canny. Uh, everything feels consistently within the universe, but they do allow just enough maneuverability for, like, for the films to exist on their own. Sure, yeah, I think they've they've sort of nailed the tone there, more or less, um, to allow quite disparate characters and. And things to exist within the same space and allow directors to portray them in a way that fits the characters and the overall sort of universe that they've uh, made, I suppose. But the thing <laughs> is, Mar- Mar- Marvel, well, Marvel's still under Disney, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So is it is it just down to, is it is it all down to that four billion? Is it all down to that return on their investment? Is it all down to being scared because it's too big to fail? I don't know. I I think the influence of Disney as as an entity is perhaps a little bit overstated. I mean, like Lucasfilm is the production house that you know oversees these things. I mean, as long as Disney gets a Star Wars film a year, that comes out of them then I, I guess they're happy and can make a new theme park and get the the merchandising royalties then I I don't know that do they have that much creative influence over the actual film themselves I don't know I don't, I don't know I don't know but it, it's yeah it's it's uh, it, it does, it's just I mean if you look at look at the meddling with all of those Star Wars films there's production troubles with almost all of them sure well, going right back to the original, uh, I watched Empire of Dreams. That's a great documentary, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't betray a, a happy and smooth production. Um, I feel like we're kind of approaching a a conclusion here, but uh, I just before we wrap up this discussion, I wanted to uh, just use this forum that we've created to <laughs> just stand on my soapbox and make a point. Um, uh, this is very nitty and uh, and particular, but uh, so one criticism that gets thrown at the rise of Skywalker a lot, which I, whatever you feel about the film as a whole, I refute this particularly. 
It's the whole... So uh, if you spent any time on the internet on Star Wars forums, you're pretty familiar with this, but the fact that it undermines Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader's story arc from the previous two trilogies by bringing Palpatine back and all of his actions in Return of the Jedi were worthless and for nothing. Are you, are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with it. Did we, did we talk about this before we recorded? Because I, yeah, all right, go on. Not specifically, but I refute that entirely because because um, the whole, you know, Darth Vader brought balance to the Force thing at the end of Return of the Jedi is a complete retcon uh, from the, the prequel trilogy. So in the prequel trilogy, they bring up this incredibly cliched and very tired, even then, nonsense about the Chosen One prophecy, who will bring balance to the Force. And that is crap. I mean, I know Star Wars isn't, you know, uh, revolutionary story-making. Its strength is in that it, it picks up old tropes. But even for Star Wars, a Chosen One kind of narrative <laughs> is a cliché too far, in my opinion. I am fairly sure I thought that in 1999 when I was 11. Um, so the whole thing that, oh, yeah, so we've, he was the Chosen One, and actually he did bring balance to the Force, as you've already seen in Return of the Jedi, which is such crap. In Return of the Jedi... He is, um, he's not bringing balance to the Force. He's saving his son. Luke Skywalker loves him unconditionally because he's his father. And he finally recognises and reciprocates that in saving his life. It's not about balancing the Force. It's about saving Luke. You could say he's not destroying what he hates. He's saving what he loves. Um, so his actions at the end of Return of the Jedi were to save Luke. They weren't to bring balance. And the prequel trilogy retcons that. And then to say that the sequel trilogy undermines that is just nonsense. The sequel trilogy doesn't undermine anything Darth Vader does. Darth Vader saves Luke Skywalker. And then whatever happens with Rey and Palpatine at the end, you can think what you want. And that's me stepping off my soapbox. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I... I just wanted to air that. I, I I agree with you on all points raised. Uh, it's not something that I've ever I I I I'm not big on prophecy. Clunky trope um, that is at its best when it's subverted. Sure. Um, well, however, I mean it... however, I do find that if you let's take all six movies as can nine movies as canon sure he does finally bring balance because of the chain of events that takes place over decades and decades that leads to Luke and Leah and leads to uh, ultimately Sorry, toxic fan base, but it does lead to Ray and Kylo and the dyad and the eventual ending of the the eventual final battle between all the Sith are in me, all the Jedi are in me. That leads to that that leads to a final ultimate balance by the end of the nine movies. None of that could have happened without. Anakin appearing in the first place. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that, just to backtrack a little bit, that you mentioned that that cliche is best when it's been undermined. 
I think if you can if you can say something for Return of the Sith, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, Here Come the Sith, um, you, in a way it kind of does undermine that. I mean, like the the Jedi place all their stock in this prophecy and this chosen one thing, and he's the one that f's it all up and kills them all. And it's sort of I think if there's a message from Revenge of the Sith, it is, hey, put your faith in prophecies and things at your own risk, really. But then, yeah, maybe that's my personal interpretation. And the intention is that, no, he was, it was good and it was right to believe in this chap, this moody, unstable knobhead. Um, but then it's, it's a much more of a Campbellian message if you say that it's not as simple as the Chosen One is going to be, is going to appear and then going to right all wrongs. The Chosen One is going to appear because they're going to be the person that instigates a very, very long sequence of events that at some point in the future will work out. Even if you can't see it now, there was there was a purpose all along to all of it. I like that. There is a sort of destiny to it all. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> I didn't quite hear what you said then, but I'm guessing it was it's like poetry, but it rhymes. Yeah, it was. It was hilarious. And you were right to laugh. <laughs> uh, let's call it... Let's call it quits there. <laughs> <laughs>